Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. It's the Shining Brightly Podcast Show. I got the best guests and this is amazing today. Wait till you hear this story. Oh my God, it is shining. And that's what I do. So your maestro with the mic is here and I want to welcome Kevin Rempel. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing awesome, Howard. Thanks so much for having me on, my man. Yeah, you're up in Canada. Oh, Canada in Toronto, correct? <laughs> that's right. We have yet to get a serious snowfall, but uh, that's the, the land of the cold. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in Michigan, land of the cold and the lake. So uh, I get it. We get that, that, that window. So it's not here yet. Well, let me tell you just a little bit about Kevin <clears> because- um, we got introduced and I, I just, we are so aligned and, and I'm so, I'm so inspired by him. So he's going to inspire uh, you as well. So after being paralyzed at age 23, and remember, I got a stage four cancer diagnosis at age 23. I'm not supposed to be here. Okay. And he was paralyzed. So Kevin not only learned how to walk again, we've we got to hear this story, but uh, to overcome the mental and, and some of the oppression of living with a disability to be able to rebuild your life. And remember, I tell people we all get knocked down in life. The key is to get back up again. And Kevin's going to show us how to do that. But he did it in such an extraordinary way. So he helped Canada earn gold at the 2013 World Championships and a bronze medal at the 2014 uh, Paralympics Winter Games. Oh, my God. Kevin, this is incredible. What a story. We're waiting to hear from it. But before we do that, share something with the audience and the listening and the watching group that they may not know about you. What's a little dirty secret there, a fun secret? So I actually, this might be the first time sharing this, I would say maybe publicly for social media world. Um, I like magic mushrooms. That's something that's uh, different. I actually have them tattooed on the inside of my elbow oh. as part of my tattoo sleeve. And the short story is just that um, I was reintroduced to them about three years ago and they've created such impactful transformative moments of my life that uh, I'm a big proponent of, of that. Uh, so that's something that people probably don't know about me. Wow. That's a good share. Well, all right. All right. Since you did that, I'm going to share too, but this one, maybe people know about me as well. I, during all my cancer treatments, I actually had a lot of anxiety and I could, I would wake up in the middle of the night and just couldn't fall back to sleep. So I actually take um, gummies. And so the THC gummies, not CBD, that didn't work, but just a sliver and maybe a sliver more and get to that REM sleep because sleeping is healing. So there's my share. So there we go today. So, all right, take me yeah. into your backstory here. How did we, how, how, you know, before the injury and then, and, 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 and take me, take me through that. Yeah. When I was a kid, I, I did get introduced to stick and ball sports, hockey, soccer, football, et cetera, but it never really resonated with me. And when I was uh, 10 years old, my the neighbor kids down the street got dirt bikes. And as soon as I saw the speed, I heard the motor and I just was like drawn to them. I fell in love with motorcycles. And at that time, this is, you know, in the nineties, uh, the X games and freestyle motocross was just becoming a sport. I started out racing, but was drawn to the stunts. And after, a couple of years racing realized that wasn't for me. 
started performing some tricks and started a business at the age of 23 to put on stunt shows where I achieved like on Canada day, July 1st, 2006, put on my first show. I accomplished all my childhood dreams. And then two weeks later at my second show, I ended up crashing. And in that accident, uh, I ended up, as you just mentioned, becoming paralyzed and uh, broke my back, my pelvis, and I was never supposed to walk again. And my life took a complete turn. I, I saw the video, Kevin. I, I have to tell you, I, I held myself. I was, I saw that video. It's, it's. People will go to your website and, and see that, and I'll, I'll show them. But it's, it's incredible that you lived through that. I mean, it's really incredible. So, I mean, you got taken off the course and rushed to the hospital, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, Were you conscious? Not, Were you conscious? I was conscious. I remember the entire, the entire day, pretty much up until. I would say I was loaded into the ambulance. Then it gets a little bit fuzzy. Yeah. But I remember the entire day, the, the the whole crash and everything. I didn't lose consciousness. And for the viewers and the listeners, to give you some context, <clears throat> what I was doing that day, I've done before. Like I've I've jumped that type of a gap, and I was hitting the ramp for the first time that day. But I wasn't mentally focused. I was too worried about the crowd, the other riders, the winds blowing, ramps a little crooked, and I was too scared to speak up and say something. So I hit the ramp anyway, not even trying a trick. But because my body position was off, I ended up taking off and the rear end came up too high. And so split second, I made, had to make the decision to either stay on the bike or jump off the bike. And so I jumped off and uh, landed without the motorcycle. <clears throat> but <clears throat> when I was laying on the ground paralyzed, I described a scenario of my friend, Chris, the reason why you saw that footage is he captured the crash on film. And as he ran over to grab my hand and say, Remps, I love you, man. I literally looked at Chris and I said, Chris, you better be filming this. <laughs> Which sounds completely ludicrous. Yeah. But in my mind, what I was thinking in that moment was that I knew I already was picturing my comeback oh. because the riders that I looked up to, that's what they did. When, it, when, it, when you get knocked down, you pick yourself back up because that's just what you do in my mind in action sports. So I knew that I wanted to be just like my heroes. And I'm not saying that this wasn't hard. Like Howard, I had a knife twisting in my back. It was excruciating, sharp pain. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I had the wind knocked out of my lungs and I spent months and years in rehab and therapy, learning to walk again. And we can get into some details about that. Yeah, yeah. But why I bring this particular piece up of the story for the listeners, especially right now, is to ask yourself the question, what do you say to yourself when you get knocked down? Mm -hmm. some, some people will say, it's over. I'm done. I'm finished. Why would I even bother continuing to try? This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Or you can say to yourself, this is the beginning of the comeback. This is the start of a new chapter. Just imagine how great this story will be when I get through this two, three, four, five years from now and how proud I will be of who I am. So I, what, something I like to do, Howard, just like you, in addition to inspiring people is what I love to do is help people shift their mindset to drive results to embrace change. Mm -hmm whether that's in your personal or in your professional life. And the questions 
that we ask ourselves and the statements that we say to ourselves in these moments are what are so key and important to help us, in my mind, become a hero in our own story. I, I just want to pause for a second because you wanted to get it first reps, you know, are you okay? And <laughs> you get it on, 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 on film, but, but you know what, you, you know, there's risk in this. You've seen others crashes. You've crashed yourself before, not this severely, of course. And I, I said to myself, listen, I'm, I was 23 and I didn't know if I was going to live or die. Okay. Yeah. And I was a deer in the headlights for a while. That's the walking in the darkness part. I had to do it, but I, I also had to figure out my way out as well. And so that was the start. They always say that your survivorship starts at the point of, uh, of injury or, or in my case, diagnosis. And uh, in my book, I talk about how to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Humpty Dumpty's all, the nursery rhymes all in a bunch of pieces. How do you put each piece by piece together again? And it's not usually done in one day. It's done over time. And so take, take me back. You, you went to the hospital and now you're, it's, it's setting in now. Okay. You, you got a long road ahead of you. Take, take me from there. Yeah. And what a fantastic analogy, by the way, Howard, I've actually never heard that before. And it truly is piecing everything back together, especially after you have something as significant as being diagnosed with cancer or paralysis, or, you know, I, I today work with people who have, you know, acquired a disability it's an amputation or people that are going through transitions of like, maybe your relationship exploded and all of a sudden you got to start over. It's like, you got to piece it all back together again. That's right. <clears throat> so when I was, uh, you know, to paint a picture of what that was like, <clears throat> excuse me, to paint a picture of what that was like after I acquired my spinal cord injury, you know, in the beginning, laying in the hospital bed, you know, you're, you're just trying to sit up. You're trying to sit up straight in bed and not be in pain. I mean, when I talk about like baby steps and I talk about in my key, my keynote for corporate, especially uh, who are looking for a keynote speaker, I and I share the hero mindset. I talk about learning to walk again was literally one toe at a time. I was in bed advised by my uh, therapist, Chris, to just try to wiggle my toes. And in the beginning, there was no nothing happened. Like you're staring at your feet and you feel you start asking yourself again, the questions, why am I doing this? Is it even worth it? Is it going to work? Does it even matter? But he told me, he's like, you just have to try. And what I learned, because after about six weeks, I got my first toe to move. What I then said to myself is if I can get one toe, one more toe to move, then I bet you I can get another toe. And I got my first toe around the six week mark. And then I got my second toe about a week later. And then I got three more toes and another couple toes and ankle and ankle. And slowly but surely, I, I was back on my feet. <clears throat> but when we're striving to achieve something that may seem impossible, like piecing our life back together, it truly is just those small critical pieces where you might just have to learn how to like get out of bed in the morning. I had to fight myself just to get into the wheelchair for weeks. And once you do that, then it's starting to figure out like, well, you know, what's the mess I got to clean up in terms of maybe it's like paperwork, like I like the legal side, the medication side, the hospital side, you know, where am I going to live? What's going on with my career? I had to go through all of that stuff as well. And in my case with the surgery, I also had uh, for years, I also felt like a guinea pig because I had to keep trying different medication. 
So it's like, try this for helping with, cause your bowel and bladders are affected. Once you have a spinal cord injury, it's like my bowel and bladder didn't work. So then you're on suppositories, then you're on stool softeners. Then you got to like take uh, nerve pain medication. Then there's a side effect. So you got to take something for that. And it's like, you just feel like a punching bag. So it, it, uh, when I show up here on this um, podcast with you, Howard, like with enthusiasm, I, I realize in hindsight, sometimes I got to like bring people back that like, what you see today was not, I haven't always been like this. I I've been depressed. I've been suicidal. I've called the suicide hotline three times in my life. Um, <clears throat> I had days where I would pull the sheets over my head and cry under the covers because my leg spasms from the nerve pain were just so intense. I, I couldn't do it. I didn't feel like I could do anything. Um, I contemplated whether I was going to find a relationship or find love again, or if I would be employed, like it was, it was difficult, but just like you described is piecing it together one small step at a time. And so when change happens, here's a, here's a message again for, for everyone. When change happens, <clears throat> even as I've been helping coach other people recently, a metaphor to imagine is that when your expectations do not meet your, meet your reality, that's where you experience disappointment. So if you keep thinking that you should be at a certain destination that you're, you're not at yet and your expectations are beyond where you are today, ask yourself, how can I start to focus on what is, not what once was or what will be? There's a, a time and a place to have our mind focus on creating a vision. But when you're going through change, often we may just need to bring ourselves back to the present moment and focus on what do we need to deal with in this exact moment to help us move ahead, not just one step, but as I mentioned, one toe at a time. I I I gotta I gotta I want to just comment on that, and I wrote it down. Your comeback began with that one toe wiggle. It's amazing. And the second thing I want to comment because we're it's I mean just getting out of bed for me was the dog had a walk, and I went one step, two step, then further. It, it didn't happen overnight. It's it's over a period of time, and it's multifaceted. Um, it's, it's, it's the mental well-being. We call that the mental toughness. It's the physical well-being. Then you're worried about financial and you're worried about relationships. So that's the enormity of it. And I, we have something in the cancer world where we actually, it says you look great. And then we have a big, but, and then all the individual stuff, all the stuff that no one saw, the hardship, the working out at the gym, the side effects the you know, me puking at the bathroom, right. Me freaking out in the middle of the night you know, on, on, on steroids. Right. Uh, so they don't see that, but we, we actually have, and, I, and and again, you can use the Humpty Dumpty all you want in your keynotes that we share, right. We're, we're brothers and, and speaking motivational speakers. So, and coaches, so please share that piecing it together in the Humpty Dumpty, but we have something in the cancer world that you might actually take on as well. We have something called KFG. All right. And this is a clean show. So it's keep effing going. KFG is, is the cancer mantra. We don't have any choice. Mm. We don't have any choice. You could just stay in bed and become depressed and all bad things happen, right? Or you can stay yeah. in that that darkness. KFG, keep effing going. And that's what you got to do to get and move forward. And sometimes it's steps back or steps sideways. And sometimes it's five steps forward. And you got to really appreciate that. So that toe wiggle is a big moment. And I love it uh, from that. All right. Get to get to some of the good stuff there that, that you're rehabilitating, you're getting there. And you're getting to become a championship athlete. I'm, I, this is the, I, I'm just like amazed by this. So tell me how you got there. So when I got injured, 
here's another another <clears throat> i'm always going to try to drop some like nuggets of lessons and wisdom and such sure so another lesson that i've learned i love to share with others is that when change happens it's often preparing you for something greater that you just cannot see yet so when i got injured i actually spent two years working to rehabilitate myself in my life before i even discovered that the paralympics existed mm. In that time, I had to keep pushing forward, believing that there was something worth putting in this effort for. Of course, it's our life. And we don't know when that tipping point of that next thing that we can start to set our sights on will appear. So I was at wheelchair basketball, just volunteering. And uh, another kid, I was still in the wheelchair at this time. Another kid also named Kevin, also with a spinal cord injury in a wheelchair, rolls up beside me and he's like, hey, have you ever heard of sledge hockey before? And I'm like, no, what's that? He goes, it's real sick. You get to hit people with disabilities. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm like, that sounds so wrong. And I'm like, where do I sign up? <laughs> but it, it literally just like changed my life because all of a sudden I had something to look forward to. I had a goal to strive for. I had a community that I could in, uh, immerse myself in who everyone was going through some kind of their own challenge. And all of a sudden you feel not alone, not just yourself, but it's also for the family, like the parents, because the parents have to navigate the change just as much as the children do in many cases. So I didn't know the Paralympics. I still didn't even know Team Canada existed. All I knew is that the sport existed. Right. So I started playing at a local level my first year. And true story, it was around, I don't know how many weeks after I started playing recreationally, this one of my, these friends in the in the disabled community sent me a video of Team Canada winning gold in 2006 at the Paralympics in sledge hockey. And I was literally like 2 a.m. drinking a beer watching YouTube when my Paralympic dream was born at the age of 28 years old. So I uh, played on the provincial team the next year, then joined Team Canada after the 2010 Paralympics. And I played five years, as you mentioned, helped uh, win a number of uh, medals, but particularly 2013 gold world championships and uh, bronze in the 2014 Paralympic bronze medals, Paralympics in uh, Sochi, Russia. So I got to tell you, so I, 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 you and I are so, we, we just taken different paths, but a lot of the same experience. So I, I tell people to find their happy place. My happy place is the basketball court. Right. So yeah. I've been a basketball player since age six. I played college basketball. I was um, all, all Bay State League uh, in, in Boston, outside of Boston growing up. Basketball is my place where I feel a stress free zone. So I, I will tell you, I did stuff and I broke all the rules after chemotherapy, after surgeries. Imagine playing basketball with a chemo port. OK, that chemo port is in underneath your clavicle going to your vena cava that gets pulled out. Basketball is a contact sport that can, I would bleed out in the court. And it's the risk I took. Now, after seven and a half years, I just got my chemo poured out. I actually have it, but um, I had to do that. I had to push myself. And now, you know, listen, I'm 57. I'm still playing. I played two hours last night. I was knocking down threes. I had three threes in a game to 12. Um, that doesn't happen that often, but that's my <laughs> place. And you found your place. Right, I got to ask this because I probably will never finish a marathon or run a marathon. I probably will not have a gold medal draped on my, what does that feel like? It feels amazing. 
And right. I'm going to elaborate on that, but you brought up something really special, important that I want to expand oh, please on. Please do, please do. So in terms of the medal and competing, it was a full circle moment, you know, being on the world stage, seeing my mom and my grandma, my sister up in the stands, uh, it it, it, made, it brought that feeling that everything you'd been through was worth it. The lesson here, the message that you just reminded me about that I really want to enforce for people is that you don't need to strive to become an Olympian or a Paralympian to have your own podium. Like My question for you, the audience, anyone listening, watching is what, what, what is your podium? So your podium might be raise a great family. Your podium might be the, become the best parent I can be. Your podium might be get out of financial debt. Your podium might be get in, get in physical shape. Your podium might be stop living under your parents' roof and live independently and go out on your own and pursue the career and live in the city, the province or the state, the country that you really want to live in. So each of us have a podium, but in pursuit of that podium, ask yourself next, like, where do you stop? When I, when my dream of riding freestyle motocross was over, what I knew is that I didn't know necessarily what that next podium was going to look like, but I knew I wanted to keep fighting to not let go of the commitment that I made to myself when I started that business was that I'm going to become an entrepreneur. I'm going to create the life that I want to live. And I'm not going to stop doing that until I figure it out. And I'm still in that process today. But every one of us has a podium. And what I can share with you, because I've lived it, is that once you reach that podium, literally or metaphorically, once in your life, once you've done it once, just like I told, talk, spoke about wiggling a toes, that if you've done it once, you can do it again. And I have reached a podium in motocross. I've reached a podium in learning to walk again. I've reached a podium in recovering from depression and mental health. I've reached a podium in the Paralympics. I've reached a podium in my keynote speaking. And there's these podiums that we can keep striving for in our life. But ask yourself, what do you say to yourself when you get knocked down? Where do you stop along the way? And what do you want your story to be? It's strong. That's powerful. I love the podium analogy. It's it's amazing. I, I want to transition just a second because, you know, I wake up every day and I look in the mirror and I do this every day. This is my this is what I do. I look in the mirror and I say, I am blessed. I am grateful. I am lucky. And who can I help today? And this is what I I, I, I want you to, to kind of dovetail into. You help people. You're coaching. Please go tell me about your program and tell me how you're helping people. And that's what I admire because you're taking all this lessons, all this knowledge, all this experience, and you're pouring it into others. Take me through there. Yeah, thanks, Howard. I just recently have started coaching, uh, both individually and through group, co group coaching. And so as I mentioned, my keynote titled The Hero Mindset. Over the years, I've assembled a framework called the Hero Mindset Blueprint, which is the, the steps I've lived myself to get myself to reach all these different podiums. And I have a group called the Hero Tribe. And the Hero Tribe is a, a, a community of people who are navigating a career or a life transition. And in that community, I help people, like I mentioned, whether it's uh, navigate uh, you know, maybe it's a job, maybe the job, maybe they're let go from their job or they want to make a change. Maybe the same thing in a relationship, something's happened or they know that they need to make a change. Uh, it might be, as I mentioned, they have acquired a disability. 
uh, people that I'm helping right now, those who have acquired a spinal cord injury or become an amputee, or maybe you've got an illness or you're depressed and you want to get yourself out of that. I've navigated those spaces myself. So I've always found in my life journey, I've had these one-on-one conversations or in a group setting, like maybe it's a locker room or on a tailgate with a bunch of friends, helping people figure these situations out. And I've delivered keynotes for about 15 years, though a keynote in my, over time has become a bit of like a one and done. It's like, I want to continue to work with organizations ongoing, but after you leave the stage, what happens to the audience? Like they go to live their life. And I want to help people, not just, I don't want to just help inspire people, but I want to help them through that transition that they need to make. And so if, if someone who's hearing, watching this right now is seeking support for someone to help, you know, maybe hold your hand a little bit to kind of just show you the pathway and encourage you get those mental blocks shifted of how we show up and get in getting in our own way what i like to do is help people navigate change navigate transition and by doing so again that's how you show up and become that hero in your own story it's just awesome and when we're going to give everyone's going to have all the contact information uh, but we're going to do that right now so gavin i'm putting on my sunglasses for those who are just listening and not watching the white metallic sunglasses are shining brightly on you. Tell people how to get a hold of you. I know you have a, a little gift for folks too, a workbook or something. And then give me, leave me with the story or, or a quote of inspiration, please. For sure. So the best way to get in touch with me, if you're interested in uh, keynote speaking, uh, or if you want to download a free copy of my book that I've written, especially if you're someone who are, is navigating change, uh, my website, kevinremple.com is the best place to go for that. If you are interested in some coaching support, the best, fastest way is just go to Instagram. Just look up Kevin Rempel. Everything's simple. Just my name at Kevin Rempel, R-E-M-P-E-L on Instagram. You can also find links to my website and my book there, but just DM me the word coach. And I'd love to have a chat with you. The final like message that I would just reiterate to leave everyone to reflect upon here. When you're navigating change, is to just ask yourself that question. What do you want your story to be? Every single day, we have an opportunity to begin a new chapter, to write a new script. And how we choose to think in these moments of transition determines what that story is going to be. So I like thinking about what my heroes have done. That's inspired me to become a hero in my own story. And I want you, the viewer, the listener, every one of us, to become a hero in our own story. So when you're going through transition, ask yourself that question. What do you want your story to be? I love it. Kevin, you inspire me. All right. I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm following you now and I, I just, I'm, I'm, you're incredible. So thank you for being here. This has been the Shining Brightly podcast show. You can get a hold of me always at shiningbrightly.com. And again, like Kevin, speaking, uh, my advocacy work in cancer and entrepreneurship and interfaith work is all on there, the book, and then, of course, this podcast there. So come visit me there. Come interact with me. And just remember, if we choose to shine brightly, choose to shine brightly a little bit each day for ourselves so we can lift up others and others, too, and then in our communities and our neighbors, the world, we become a better place. Great show, Kevin. Be well, be healthy. Happy holidays. And this thing, we're, we're coming out in 2024, and uh, we're going to share your message with the world. So I want to say that I'm greatly appreciative of you, brother. Thanks, Howard. Much appreciated, my friend. Way to go, reps. <laughs> Woo! Woo! 
Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.